This podcast was recorded on June 29th, 2020. The views and opinions expressed herein are as of the date recorded and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities. Such views and opinions may differ from those of DoubleLine Capital or of its affiliates and are subject to change without notice. DoubleLine has no obligation to provide updates or changes. Welcome to the Sherman Show. We're here on Monday, June 29th. I'm here with my co-host, Sam Lau. Hey, hey. And we have a special guest today. Uh, we have founder, chairman, and head of economic research for Evercore ISI, Ed Hyman. Welcome, Ed. Yeah, my pleasure, guys. We're going we're to have a good time. Yeah, I can't wait. Um, you know, given we have you today and everything in the market, we're heading into the second half of the year. Really want to get your view on how you're viewing this recovery can it last and the likes. Before we do, Sam, can you give us a quick market roundup last week? Uh, give the listeners uh, what happened in the markets. Yeah, so we uh, just had two days since our last recording. So, you know, markets have been fairly quiet going into the summer doldrums here. Uh, really, what we've seen is um, with the S&P 500 on a month-to-date basis, it's down about a percent uh, coming into the last few days. Year-to-date, it's still down 6%. But uh since March 23rd, the the recent lows here, it's had a you know a pretty great bounce off the the bottoms there at uh, or the lows there at thir- for a positive 35 percent. Um, that's really been uh, led by the tech sector, which has been which had a bounce of 45 percent since March 23rd, and um, the comm sector, communication sector, at uh, plus 30 percent. Um, U.S. bond aggregate is up about 60 basis points for the month. And year to date, up six percent. You know, I think I'm going to stop it there. I know, you know, we, you know, we've got a great guest on today. Uh, we didn't have much, you know, only two days since the the last print that we had for the podcast. So, uh, for the markets, I'm going to leave it there. The sovereign yields are pretty much flat as well. Um, in terms of the economic roundup, we had uh, two or three uh, uh, economic data points come out since then. Personal income uh, down four percent uh, for the uh, month through. Through uh, April, uh, through May, sorry, um, but that's better than expected, which was negative six uh, percent was the expectation. So that's uh, on the back of a, a record-breaking ten and a half percent increase on an annualized basis for personal income as well. Uh, similar story with spending, uh, although it was positive for the month, it was still under expectations of nine point three percent with the positive print of uh, plus eight point two. But um, let's talk talk about that kind of uh, economic. Uh, abnormalities that we've been seeing uh, with Ed. All right. So, Ed, let's jump right into it. I mean, you, you've been ranked as one of the best um, economists out there. I think, you know, you've been ranked number one for like 39 in the last 44 years. Gets kind of tired being at the top, you know, in the institutional investor polls. But, um, you know, why don't you give us a little introduction how you got in the space, for, first of all, and then let's jump right into it. So, I know you got a, I believe you got a bachelor's in engineering uh, from uh, UT Austin. Um, you got an MBA from MIT. Tell us how you got in the business and kind of what, what led you down this path of becoming one of the top uh, economists in the field. So first off, uh, Jeff, like so many things, life is full of luck. <laughs> and uh, when I was at, at MIT, I worked on the first uh, time-sharing computer system, time-sharing uh, that had you know economic data over in a computer 
in one place, then you could log on and get into that computer and get the data. And uh, so I was working for a guy at MIT and uh, who a professor there, uh, Ed Koo, and uh, Otto Eckstein uh, was a professor at Harvard. He started a company called Data Resources. And uh, so he connected me with, with Otto Eckstein. And Otto Eckstein was starting a company called Data Resources, DRI. And uh, that's what they did. They had, you know, there was the first commercial econometric uh, data time-sharing system. And so I just walked really from one job or one thing at MIT to another. And it was just, uh, it couldn't have been, you know, a better transition. And I, to be honest with you, I'm doing essentially the same thing I was doing then. Uh, but uh, one of our clients was a firm called C.J. Lawrence, which had about oh, 150 people, a research firm, mainly fundamental research. We had a, a strong strategy effort, and they got me in to do the economics, and uh, it's been the same ever since. Now, the firm really was uh, a, a brokerage firm, and, and we, you know, we did work with institutional investors, and uh, Jim Moltz ran that firm, and, and he's a great investor, uh, but it was very oriented toward investing. And so I had to adapt uh, my focus to doing what was relevant to investors. So, for example, our, our biggest client was Fidelity. And, mm -hmm. and, and the, the guy that covered Fidelity was the head of marketing. <laughs> he was the biggest producer in the firm. And Fidelity you know, is really a, uh, an investment firm. And they have a low interest, truly speaking, for macro. Right. So I had to make sure that what I did was relevant to people that were trying to invest. And so that's how I started out. Great Peter Lynch wrote a book. Uh, and in, in that book, I'm cited. He says he spends 10 minutes a year on economics. <laughs> well, I and, think there's a lot said, of, uh, and, you know, there's been a lot of macro tourists and, the last few years, right? <laughs> Right. Anyway, but he said that, that those, ten, those 10 minutes he spent with me. <laughs> uh, anyway, that was, that was the high point of my career. It's been going down ever since. So I've been very focused on, on trying to, you know, stick with things that are, uh, as near as I can tell, relevant to the investment issue at the moment. So, for example, uh, inflation. Uh, it just, it doesn't seem to me as though I don't know exactly when inflation is going to come, but I don't think it's in the investment horizon. So I'm not focusing a lot on it at the, at the moment. So that's, I think that's why I've, I've, uh, I've also risen to the level of my incompetency. So I'm, and I'm just perfect <laughs> at this level. Yeah, as we all do, keep, that, that, that's the natural human, it. yeah, that's the natural human behavior. So yeah. on that note, you, you well, say you're not no, a lot of people inflation. Yeah, that's true. Until they really, really become incompetent, or at least they achieve your highest level of it. But uh, so, <laughs> right. so you, you say you're not focused on inflation. So what what are some of the key variables well, I'm, I'm that you are it. focused I'm on right on now? It like crazy. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm focused on it like crazy, but uh, at the moment, I don't think it's a market moving event uh, mm -hmm. until let's say bond yields get back over two or three. Yeah. Uh, maybe oil makes more of a move. You know, maybe. 75 bucks or so. Uh, but uh, so, you know, right now, uh, what I'm focused on is, is the stimulus, uh, the virus, 
uh, and the economy. And I guess, uh, come to think of it, uh, Jeff, uh, all three of those are global. Right. That's the long and short of it. That we'll spend, you know, our time talking about those three things probably. Well, it's probably in that order too. So let's start with it. I mean, the stimulus package has been insane, right? I mean, um, or just uh, it's been uh, the phrase everybody uses, unprecedented. Um, we we keep joking. There's an unprecedented use of the word word unprecedented, (laughs) um, you know, in in this cycle. But let's talk through the stimulus and let's talk about the impacts because I think the thing we've been really discussing a lot over the last month or so is Congress and their ability uh, to really extend out some of this pandemic unemployment assistance program, which is uh, well, not I'm sorry, not not that one, but just the the temporary um, increase in benefits. The pandemic assistance goes through the end of the year, Um, but you know, thinking about those stimulus checks and how significant they were as a as a percentage of replacement of wages in many cases at the median level being north of 125 150 percent um i asked the question too you know can, do we are we dependent on this um extension of these benefits to keep the economy going especially considering that we're seeing a resurgence of the virus at least here in the u.s yes we're seeing a resurgence and yes we're dependent uh the first thing i'd share with you you've already stolen my thunder uh, oh Jeff, sorry about uh, that <laughs> no, there have been, uh, I, I think people still way, way underestimate what's going on with policy. But first, to get your point, I, I assume that they'll uh, extend these uh, temporary supports. Uh, but uh, over the past 11 months, there have been 520 stimulus uh, programs suggested. 520. And, and so we focus on the last one, you know, like the July... Uh, but, I mean, this has been going on big time globally. Uh, so to get a little touristic, uh, Japan has two trillion coming. Uh, Europe probably has almost a trillion coming. And our view uh, at uh, Evercore is that we have a trillion and a half in late July. That's our, say, our view. With obviously, okay. that is partly a done deal. So that's our, our view. Uh, and then... Uh, China has about a trillion dollars uh, announced in fiscal stimulus coming over a, a few years, but, you know, coming. So, I mean, it's, and that's just one aspect of what's been going on. And so, for example, we had a $3 trillion U.S. package, in part this uh, help for individuals, which is going to run, run out. But uh, as I've just found out in the past four days or five days, maybe, maybe you saw this, the, the Treasury uh, has cash balances of a trillion six. I mean, off the chart. But yeah. they haven't spent the three trillion. They haven't spent half half of it. Uh, right. So that's they have that to come, and then we think we get another trillion and a half uh, on top of that. Uh, and then you have uh, rate cuts. There have been almost two hundred central bank rate cuts, which have pushed global short rates down uh, like 73 basis points from you know, 243 uh, over the past year. And so you got rate cuts like crazy. And then you have uh, QE, which we all know about, but I thought I knew about. And then on, uh, I guess it's Saturday morning, somebody sent me the Canadian Bank of Canada's balance sheet which I hadn't been looking at. It's exploded past four months. It's now up to the you know, half, half a trillion 
you know, the, the U.S. equivalent of five trillion. So yes. man, everywhere you look, uh, there's uh, stimulus, and I, I need to come up with a better word than unprecedented because it's <laughs> unprecedented how often it's been used. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can help me. No, I mean, now we, as you saw, I was fumbling all over it myself. But you know, you, you talk about how much is in the coffers ready to come. And so with this, I mean, how, how does this impact your outlook for markets right now? I mean, we know that there can be disconnects between the economic data and what financial markets are telling us. So what is your take, you know, switching from the, you know, econometrician hat to the financial investor hat? How do you think about that and the stimulus and its impact that should be forthcoming on markets? Well, uh, I've learned, Jeff, that I cannot switch hats because <laughs> in the econometric model I have, to forecast the U.S. economy, I have consumer net worth and yeah. BAA spreads and mortgage rates. So, you know, I've, I've found over the years, this model goes back to 1982, that, uh, you know, financial markets have a big influence on the economy and vice, vice versa. But, uh, you know, I'm in the, you know, don't, don't fight the Fed. I, I wish it wasn't put that way because this is now so much bigger than the Fed. You know, it's uh, QE and rates and fiscal, and it's global. Uh, but uh, I, I'm in that camp, and, and, and Jeff, you, you know everything. So you, you know there's a camp out there that focuses on this, and it just seems to me as though it has the upper hand even over the virus. And uh, I don't expect you know, national lockdowns, you know, but it wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't shock me at this point uh, if there weren't national lockdowns. But I think that the stimulus and oddly enough, because you, you mentioned the, the virus at the beginning, uh, this, you know, no, no doubt has the, has the result of encouraging the Fed to be more aggressive and encouraging people in Washington to be more willing to consider more fiscal stimulus. Right. Well, I think that that's the important thing yeah. that you're talking about, too. You know, you just can't fight the technicals here, which is the, the Fed. It is Congress. And just the the commitment to not let this thing slip uh, out of control. And so I think you see it in the yeah. market this morning here. As we say here this morning, you know, we have uptick in cases in, in the and the three most populous states here in the U.S. Um, you have, you know, threat downs of, of shutdowns again. Texas, right, is halting yeah. reopening. You know, I know you spent some time there in Austin, you know, um, but, you know, that that's something that pretty much unprecedented. I'm going to use the word again. Uh, but, you know, we're talking about now in California, the bars are going to shut down again. We're, we are halting these reopening plans. And so you see what's the response of Mr. Market. It's kind of risk on today. Right. Because even though you say that, I think I think you bring up a very good point. It's not that we're going to allow the economy to shut down whole uh, wholesale again. Uh, maybe there is some adoption of masks and the like, but. Um, you know, and so it seems that the market has kind of ignored this increase in the virus as of late and it seems to really be focused on what you're talking about, this commitment to keep things going, to keep the economy going. Yeah. And, and Jeff, I know don't think quilling to me because I know that, you know, also, also has the have the presidential election coming up. <laughs> and so, and so, oh, yeah. I, I heard about that. I heard about oh, that. Oh, Is yeah. it what, like in four yeah, months right. or so? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think. Yeah. So, man, this is, you know, if there's any time that you want the economy to look good, this is this is the time to put on the lipstick. That's right. Yeah. Dress the pig up. Right. Uh, for now. So thinking about that uh, and you know, know. with the direction of this, stim yeah. go, go ahead. 
I'll use the term pig. I just I just use I use lipstick. Okay. Okay. Well, Well, I just for some reason the animal I think of with lipstick is pig. Unfortunately, Uh, I recalled out of the of the housing market in twelve years ago. Yeah, that's the way the that's the way it goes. So I'll finish your sentence on that one. You really have a uh, lined up to try and do as much as it can, but I'm you know even as somebody that's on this, I'm still amazed at. What's going on? Like, I mean, literally, I found out Thursday morning. Other people found out sooner than I did, I bet. But uh, the treasury has a, a trillion six in cash. Yeah. And it's not that like they, like they've ever had a trillion six in the past. The, only, the last time they had a lot of money was in 2009. They had about 700 million. Uh, you know, getting ready to put that to work in that stimulus package. Right. So, I mean, you think about this, too, when we talk about the virus, like, and we talk about perhaps some, like, social shifts, we talk about, you know, economic shifts, and the, the change and in, in the makeup of the U.S. economy. So, when you think about this, is there some permanence to this damage? What, what do you think of as, you know, putting on the equity hat or putting on your risk hat? How do you think about the evolution of the economy in a post-pandemic world? So, I don't, you know, I don't find things that really excite me in this space. And it might be because I just don't have the right view of it. But uh, I assume uh, that working in an office uh, will be attractive for a long time. And working from home will be more attractive. Uh, And so house prices, you know, away from downtowns are going up and uh, office buildings, you know, the stories on those. And you know, the commute time itself. Uh, so, you know, I, my office is in New York and uh, we have, you know, plenty of people that would commute in uh, maybe an hour each way. And now that time is gone and also traveling. Last time I was with you, I, I, I flew out to L.A. Really reasonable thing to do. <laughs> now I've discovered Zoom. <laughs> And uh, so have you. Yeah. So I'm sure I'm sure that that's going to change in a more permanent way. Uh, but uh, after that, I mean, I I personally think that you know, by next summer we'll have a pretty good vaccine, and this will be largely behind us. And I don't know exactly what it's going to leave behind us. Maybe a lot of problems with you know budget deficit and uh, too much balance sheet around the world. But that's for you know, another one of your shows that I hope you have me back to. That, Absolutely, uh, moment, uh, yeah. Well, as you think about that, let, let's there. think about that too. You know, you're talking about but, 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 the but, state but, of the but world. Let me ask, but let me ask. Let me ask. Let me ask. Ask you. What, what do you think is going to be the long-term impact? Well, I, I think you're absolutely correct that it's a it's a behavioral shift, right? And so, you know, we all know in markets, behavior is very important. You know, when you think about like momentum and likes when it, being an investor, um, that behavior can be very a very prevalent factor in determining market prices. And so, I, I do think in the economy, you're absolutely correct that you know uh, there will be will be a shift away from urban centers. Um, in general, there's there's people who are very fearful. I know anecdotally, friends of mine who are avid travelers are saying, I wouldn't get on an airplane at all right now. Uh, I wouldn't want to travel to another region of the world. And so uh, I think we've got to think about that impact when it comes to nationalization versus this globalization. And I wonder what that looks like yeah. going forward, because we know that 
a lot of this last couple of decades has been built on globalization, right? Uh, cheaper cost of labor, outsourcing uh, labor to other areas which have higher productivity. But you mentioned, on the other hand, you know, removing commute times. Well, if we remove commute times, perhaps that inc- perhaps that increases productivity as well here in the U.S. It's something that's been lagging. But we're going to have this dead overhang. Yeah. So I think at the end of the yeah, day, yeah. I think MMT folks win in this, right? It, isn't this really just what the MMT idea yeah. is? We're really going to test yeah, that yeah. idea. So I'm, you know, I'm, my 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 life is in a very traditional mode, and uh, I, you know, most of the you know MI, M, 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 MIT guys or Harvard guys are, are, you know, find MMT to be pretty lacking in credibility. Uh, right. But it seems to me as a, a practical matter, it, it definitely has the upper hand at the moment. And there's, you know, if, there just seems like there's no limit to monetary or fiscal stimulus initiatives, as long as there seems like there's a need for it. Right. So MMT is what? here for now. Yeah, it is. And I think that, um, you know, from that perspective, I think that that's the question is that we're going to really find out, do deficits really matter? Because uh, you'd mentioned, you know, another trillion dollars. I mean, that, that uh, trillion five that you're talking about, uh, perhaps being passed through Congress in July, if that's the case, you know, that puts us at a, you know, a debt to GDP ratio, probably something north of 15 percent, even after we kind of trough here. So how are you thinking about the second right. half here? Um, as an investor, I mean, we've got elevated you oh. know, equity prices relative to <laughs> earnings, right? Um, we're now seeing people, instead of using 12 months earnings, starting to use 24 <laughs> months out to try to rationalize right. that. But again, you know, I mean, look, if there's fiscal stimulus coming, um, you know, perhaps it, it does provide some injection that, that folks need. Uh, but uh, coupling that with just this overhang in the labor market at this stage, uh, we saw unemployment claims, you know, um, continuing claims still north of 20 million, or it's roughly uh, 20 million last week. You had the unemployment insurance data out there. It's a, roughly another 11 million or so. So it's a 31 million people unemployed uh, right now receiving some form of benefits. Um, h- how do you kind of juxtapose that with the fiscal stimulus, do they offset, or how are you thinking about that as we as we try to gear up for the second half of the year? Well, my main, uh, yeah, my main thought in this general space uh, is more on the fiscal trying to support the economy uh, and the monetary supporting financial markets. You know, don't fight the Fed type of uh, logic on that front. But uh, in terms of of the economy. I, I was constructive, if you will, on the economy for a long time. When I saw you out in L.A., you guys sort of bushwhacked me. <laughs> <laughs> you, had me you had me on a panel. I had no idea. Uh, yeah, you should but, have known uh, when we were bringing in David Rosenberg. You know, if you're bringing Rosie in, it's going yeah, to be a dichotomy. I should have known. Yeah, I should have known. But anyway. And in fairness, we had him on it about two weeks ago. We had him on the podcast. So. Um, we got all the negativity. Yeah, I want right. to bring you in to make make our investors, you know, and, and our listeners oh, out you. there well, realize that oh, we listen God. to all the views out here. We're not just these, you know, negative yeah, Nancy's. Well, all that's the, time. the way to do it. Right. So anyway, uh, just to to communicate with with you, uh, you know, when the the virus hit, uh, we have a very strong group of uh, healthcare team. We have strong healthcare teams at our shop, and so, you know, people that are really fluent in the virus and and they convinced me how bad it was. I gave a talk, I think it was February, I think it's in February down in Florida. And it's about 400 people in the, in the group. And I said, this is probably the last group like this you're going to be at for a long time. 
<laughs> the last time I'm going to make a presentation. Anyway, uh, I, I went to, we got our forecast down to minus 50% for the second quarter. Uh, we had earnings down at, I think, 80, 80 bucks uh, for the S&P, that, you know, $165. So at that point, this is probably three months ago, uh, I, I think we had the most bearish assessment on the street about what was going on. But, you know, forgetting that now, first, we opened up much quicker than I thought. Maybe that was a mistake, but uh, we opened up much quicker than I thought. And, and frankly, the economy has come back much quicker uh, than I thought. Say our, our company surveys, which we get every week in great granularity from autos to retailers to home builders, uh, they're now up for 11 weeks in a row. And so now we have the third and fourth quarter of 20%. And I felt you know, pretty good about that. Uh, but I'm beginning to wonder with the second wave that are occurring, like you point out, in, in Texas, Florida. So I'm beginning to, to wonder about that. Uh, and I know that the economy through last Friday was still in a, a, a rebound phase. Uh, right. But this second wave thing, it just started. So I got to sort of, you know, take it easy on that front. But uh, the back in another epic in my life, they had the, if you remember the perfect storm, they had three storms come together in the Atlantic as a movie, as a book in uh, 2000. And um, so I decided that we were having a perfect storm uh, in the economy. You had Fed tightening, you had a tech bubble like crazy, uh, and the price of oil was surging. This was in early 2000. So right. I called it the perfect storm. And uh, I was happy uh, being bearish. And I got a recession a year later. And, and now it seems to me as though we have a perfect storm in a positive way with the uh, you know, not much inflation, the economy coming back, uh, and lots of uh, easing. And and my own stimulus, and my own view is that, which is not working out very well right now, my own view is that science will, will win in this, and we'll get a therapeutic and a vaccine, not in the next five years, but in the next year and a half. And I guess along some of that thought that you had there, Ed, is, you know, will the economy, I guess, be able to truly recover. And I'm talking about the, a recovery of economic activity, not one that's fueled by deficit spending you know, through the various rescue and stimulus programs that we had, but will we actually see economic t- activity take the baton absent a vaccine or a viable treatment? So let's say if we do get something you know, a year, year and a half out, does that mean that the economy just continues to struggle over that period of time um, due to lack of confidence in being able to resume daily activities or, you know. Okay. Well, I, uh, I do look at the stock market a lot and, uh, you know, it's acting pretty well. It pays through, uh, consumer net worth. House prices are going up at a, a friend of mine say just house prices and Palm desert were going crazy. Anyway, house prices are going up. I don't want to get into Palm desert, but, uh, and the stock market has been moving up. And I think we're beginning to see, you know, the outlines of a normal cyclical recovery. And this morning, uh, I'm getting ready to get on the call with you, and I'm reading the Financial Times. And it has a headline, the Financial Times, businesses and consumers are starting to believe in the recovery. Believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, you and I know that there's already been a lot of increases in consumer confidence, business confidence like the you know, French NC, uh, the German IFO, you know, confidence measures over there. 
uh, but I, I think we'll get to a point where people start to, which we're not at now for sure, but people believe that the economy is starting to recover. And that may be a long time before it gets back to normal. I'm not sure it will get back to normal. But uh, uh, when I last saw you uh, out in L.A., uh, L.A. was booming at that point. This was in January. Uh, and I identified 94 cities that were doing well. And, and, and the drivers of those economies, uh, one is entertainment. And L.A.'s got a good on that. And new, new tech. Uh, like Malibu, uh, what is it called? Malibu <laughs> Valley like, or whatever it is. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's called uh, Silicon Beach. It's uh, the Playa del, uh, Playa Beach. del Rey or yeah, right, yeah, it's right, just south right. of Venice. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And so those are two. And then higher education was a driver. And you guys got you know, a lot of great schools there in L.A. Uh, and then healthcare. Uh, anyway, those four sectors were what were what, what was driving economies, uh, and I assume they'll they're still there uh, if we can get back to normal, which is going to take a long time. But I don't think the unemployment rate will be, you know, below five percent within the foreseeable future. I don't know, for me, that's what maybe a couple of years. Yeah. Uh, so we we we're taking a real hit uh, now. And I think politics will play a role in here too, with how we, I don't know how that's going to work out. And of course, we have all this uh, civil unrest at the moment, which is is a big problem to grapple with as well. Right. Well, let, let's put one more. Let's put one more thing in there. And you mentioned this early off, so before we let you hop, I know you got you got to run today. But before we let you hop and jump into the last part of the show, what I, I want to ask you about the election too, because you you mentioned that I totally forgot that we had an election this year. Um, so in four months' time, you know, we <laughs> yeah, have this election. I, I, was just, I, was, I was just joking. I was just yeah. joking. <laughs> but me, me too. If you haven't noticed, we have a lot of sarcasm and facetiousness around here. But, um, I, you know, I really want to get your take on that. And, you know, we, we had uh, a couple weeks back, uh, also we had uh, someone who's a political forecaster who works at Real Clear Politics. It's an aggregator of a lot of sources. And, you know, when you look at Real Clear Politics, which aggregates all these polls— and comes up with numbers, you find that there's a very strong lead for the Democrats, not just for the White House, but also in the Senate now. And what do you think about, you know, market risk and implications of this change in leadership if it were to occur um, in the, in November and transition early next year? So first on the White House, uh, we survey three to 500 a week of our uh, clients, institute investors. And we've been asking them uh, who's going to be the next president. And for three weeks, uh, Biden has been ahead, has been favored by 58%, almost 60%, not favored, uh, almost 60% of people expected Biden to win. So I assume that Biden is now pretty much in the, in the market. I, we have not asked the second question, which we'll ask this week, which uh, how about the Senate? And so that's a, uh, I would guess that people still assume the Senate, uh, investors assume the Senate will stay. A Republican, and we all know the implications of that uh, mix. Uh, so I think that gridlock, like right? The, I mean, the implication is gridlock, right? Then, yes, yeah. but if it looks like uh, then that's a that's a problem. But I don't know. I don't know quite what to do with it. So I just I don't I don't think I have any particular value add. Uh, okay. You know, higher taxes doesn't seem to be like the best thing. 
but I'm not sure that you're going to get higher taxes as long as the economy is as weak as it is. That's right. You know, with unemployment, yeah. you know, fifteen percent. Uh, so it's it's sort of beyond my immediate wheelhouse, but certainly not beyond any rational discussion about what's happening. Now, there's a lot of time, as we all know, between now and the election. Woo. Yeah. And uh, right. and Trump has pulled the rabbit out of the hat so many times. It's I've been astounded, and I know you know getting less emotional about it that uh, if the economy grew 20% in the third quarter and if the market you know was to stay above 3000 much less go up uh that would then give him you know that uh platform to stand on pretty good so we'll 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 see and uh, also we'll you, you and I both both know that uh the interaction between Trump and Biden is going to be really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say explosive, but um, interesting is good. Explosive, well, hey, right. and I, yeah, okay. hey, uh, we wish we had more time with you today because it's always in, it's too. always um, enlightening too to hear cool. the way you're thinking about things. But um, before well, we let you again. hop, okay. I, yeah, let's do it again. We'll take a rain check for the, for part two. I know our listeners want to hear it, especially as we get through. We get the second quarter GDP, so maybe we'll get you back on later in the summer. Um, but okay. before we let okay. you hop, well, Sam has a favorite part, but that he won't let any guests leave without doing. So, Sam, why don't you introduce Ed to your favorite part of the show? All right, Ed. And that favorite part of the show is called Sherman Says. What I'll do is I'll offer a series of alternating prompts between you and Sherman, uh, to which you'll both provide a uh, top of mind response that we try to limit to one or two words, a few words, a handful of words uh, for that top of mind response. So uh, again, it's going to be alternating. So what I'll do is begin with Jeff Sherman with advertising boycotts. Accelerating. For you, Ed, re- rebounding energy prices. Uh, not much so far. Back to Sherman with reopening rollbacks. Accelerating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's get the economy accelerating. <laughs> I'm going to use accelerating. <laughs> we're going to use the word accelerate, right? <laughs> uh, over to you, Ed, with intensive care unit capacity. Adequate. Sherman, Washington, D.C., statehood. Unlikely. Ed, global society. Turmoil. M2, velocity. Um, elevated. Personal spending rate. Definitely improving. Last one for each of you, consumer inflation expectations. Muted. And for you, Ed, uh, break-even inflation rate. Uh, Moving up, but still muted. All right, well, that wraps us up. So, Ed, thank you so much today. Uh, Before we let you go, maybe you can tell our listeners how they can follow you, get access to your insight. Yeah, I I don't know. Jeff, I don't know. I have a a huge marketing department, but uh, they don't they don't allow me to venture to that space. So uh, (laughs) just tell them to to send you an an email and and you and I can take care of it. All right. Excellent. We'll do that. And uh, and yeah, yeah, we'll we'll say, um, you know. Look, you stick to what you're doing. You know, 39 out of 44 years, we'll call that a good track record. No need to deviate now. So don't put yourselves in marketing hot. Let the experts do that. So okay. thanks again, Ed. We really appreciate you coming thing. on. Give, give, give Jeffrey my best. 
we, we will do and appreciate it. So thanks again. This was Ed Hyman, founder and chairman of Head of Economic Research for Evercore ISI. And uh, you can catch the Sherman Show podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and on all of your favorite uh, podcast applications out there. Stay tuned next week for another special guest. Once again, thank you, Ed. We really appreciate it. And sorry you got to hop, but we'll, we'll take a rain check on the second half. All right? Thank you. Goodbye. The audio presentation represents DoubleLine's intellectual property. No portion of this presentation may be published, reproduced, transmitted, or rebroadcast in any media in any form without express written permission of DoubleLine. DoubleLine has no obligation to provide any updates or changes. To receive permission from DoubleLine, please contact media at DoubleLine.com. Neither DoubleLine nor any of its affiliates makes any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of the statements or any information contained in this podcast and any liability therefore, including in respect of direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage is expressly disclaimed. DoubleLine is not providing any financial, economic, legal, accounting, or tax advice in this podcast. The receipt of this podcast by any listener is not to be taken as constituting the giving of investment advice by any DoubleLine entity or individual to that listener, nor to constitute such person a client of any DoubleLine entity. The portfolio risk management process includes an effort to monitor and manage risk, but does not imply low risk. Copyright 2020 DoubleLine Capital.